If you have fallen asleep at 7.30 on a Friday night, you might be a teacher. Teaching is crazy, fun, exhausting, challenging, rewarding, and did I mention crazy? And as Catholic school teachers, we are also entrusted with imbuing Catholic identity. It's a huge responsibility, but fortunately for us, there is Finding God, the amazing K-8 faith formation program from Loyola Press. It's innovative, engaging, and the most inclusive and complete program we've ever used. Multimedia? Check. Scripture? Check. Family resources? Check. Bilingual? Check. And don't forget, posters, worksheets, quick start guides, apps, magazines, lesson plans. Seriously, Finding God has all you need and more. Pray about it. Visit FindingGod.com and order a sample. Finding God might not help you stay awake later on a Friday night, but it will help you sleep better knowing you're helping guide kids toward a faith-filled life. Catholic Teachers Lounge with Jill and Colleen. Welcome to the Catholic Teachers Lounge, the only podcast by Catholic school teachers for Catholic school teachers. I'm Colleen and I'm here with Jill and we are grateful to be together again to laugh, explore and connect. Thank you to Loyola Press for sponsoring us and for you, the teachers, for doing what you do every day. Hey, Jill, you ready to talk a little bit more about universal design for learning? (laughs) Yes, I feel like I'm in class, like I'm taking notes. I'm like, this is like a serious week in the lounge. Like we got some learning to do. (laughs) So maybe we can liven it up on day three. I feel like people have just been, I think these are these topics that you just have to Google to learn more about because you only get so far in 10 minutes. It's true. It's true. And these are these are huge. And this is universal design. I don't know that I mentioned this in the first episode, but it's 30 years of research on how the brain works and how best to reach a, a variety of learners sitting in front of you in a classroom, which is what every teacher wants to know anyway. So um, it's just a huge, huge topic. So today um, we're going to talk about the third pillar of universal design, which is action and expression. But first, I want to ask you a question. Can you Can you think of a time when you were graded on something that you totally understood, but you could not execute what you knew in the way that you were being asked to show it? I could think of so many examples of this. Can you think of anything off the top of your head? Um, I'm going to use an example for my son, fourth grader, uh, not for myself, just because it's fresh in my mind. He knew how the eye worked. Like he knew everything about the eye. He could explain to me how the flipped image, like the whole darn thing, got the (laughs) test back, failed it. What? I'm like, wait, what? Because writing got in the way. He doesn't like to write. Ah. He doesn't like to use to complete sentences, but he could talk (gasps) my ear off about the eye. And he was not wrong when he explained it to me, but it was a written test and it did not represent what he knew. No, of course not. So, so the standard that was being tested was actually written in, written expression, not content. <laughs> yeah, yep, yep, yep. Oh, and we're all guilty of this. We're hard. Because, oh, like yes. I know this because I'm mom, but the teacher doesn't know what I know, and I never even emailed her. But I should have. Like the because the you know if all you're getting if your evidence of learning is that written test you're probably missing the kiddo who talked his mom's ear off the whole night before about how the eye works. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. Okay. That is such a great example. Yeah. Um, there, and there's so many things too. like, you know, you think about a driving test, you know, I, I can, I can drive a car all over the world, but, um, I don't, 
I don't know how to answer all of the questions on the driving test. Sometimes I, that, mm-hmm. that multiple choice test is tough. When I was helping my kids study that they're, I didn't know all the answers. Isn't that funny? Like I can, right. I could do it. I could show you, I could take you with me, but please don't make me answer multiple choice questions about it. <laughs> right? Please don't, but there's okay. So anyway, so there's a million examples of this from sports. There are people who can analyze sports and tell you everything, but can they get out on the field and, and, you know, like execute everything. No, not always. Right. Right. Uh, Okay. Anyway, so you, you get the point here. So everybody, yeah, everybody is totally different in the way that they can navigate a learning environment and, and in the way that they're able to express what they know. And so if we're asking for one way, show me this way, and the student can't do it and fails, what do we do? Sometimes we enter the grade in the grade book and we move on, don't we? So yes. this, yeah, this is where we can talk about accessibility and um, we could talk about preferences for learning. We can talk about flexibility. There's so much here to unpack in action and expression. So again, there's no one way for everybody to express that one way. So if we're, if we're always, I love your example, if we're always grading based on ELA standards, then a lot of kids are not going to be able to show us what they know and access the curriculum. That's just, that's a fact. Mm-hmm. So a Let's talk a little bit just about adaptive equipment and adaptive technology that can help with this. So, oh, I appreciate this. So adaptive technology, now that I run a school, like there's a whole line item in my budget (laughs) for adaptive technology. And I'm like, I don't know what that is exactly. Like I, I can probably take some guesses, but tell me more about this because it is a line item and I approve it and I'm not even sure what's out there. So it can take a lot of forms because, um, so adaptive equipment and adaptive technology, let me just break it down. I'll give you examples of both of these things. So, um, if, if, as long as kids have access to like speech to text and text to speech, which can, which can be like a, a Google extension, actually Mm -hmm. like a Chrome extension, or there are programs that do it really, really well. Um, uh, if, if students have to record a lecture and so that they can play it back later or hear it or um, run it through a program so that it gives a transcript of what was said in the classroom, there are programs for that. That's assistive technology. Audiobooks are assistive technology. FM systems that project the teacher's voice so that um, mm. it can go directly sure. into a, a student's hearing aid if they have a hearing aid, or it can just make it louder for all of the students in the classroom, large print books, slant boards, magnifiers, using iPads to color code text or enlarge in text are ways to help struggling readers even. So, um, or students with, with visual impairment. So there, there's a lot of, um, assistive technology and adaptive equipment that can be used for many different purposes. Like not all readers struggle for the same reason. You can you right. can have you know a handful of kids that are struggling with reading, but all those kids might have a different reason for that. So mm-hmm. you have Do to you have remember? a lot let of me options. Just, let me mm-hmm. let me throw back a pre-pandemic memory of. Do you remember yeah. when teachers, myself included, felt nervous when there was a student in the class who needed the you know, the lesson audio recorded and you're like, wait, wait, what? Like every day you're going to hit record. And it felt so strange at first. And then like, we all went through the much harder pandemic, uh, virtual teaching. And I think people, their mindset's much different, but there was a big leap there of the technology was in our hands and it wasn't like a tape recorder. It was just like a super simple digital recorder and gave a lot more students, a lot more access to great content. Um, but also it was a little scary as a teacher. 
it is a little scary as a teacher. A lot of times, what whether you know, um, gosh, we could go all the way back to engagement, talk about representation again, and think about a teacher whose student needs to record the lecture every day. That's a really good example of something that um, teachers got anxious about. Um, for some students, it's absolutely necessary, though, or to to post to post their lecture notes on their um, whatever, their Google Classroom or, you know, whatever, their Canvas, whatever. Um, they think, well, that's not fair. They're supposed to be learning how to take notes. They need to, you know, there's, they should know these things. And, and I'm just not sure I can do that. But for the student that absolutely needs it in order to access the curriculum why wouldn't you? Would you take eyeglasses away from a student right. that can't see clearly? Of course not. Well, here and here's what you say in that moment. And you say to yourself in that moment is this is your chance then to say to the whole room, hey, I want you to know that your memory is going to work really well if you take your own notes. We're all mm -hmm. like in theory, you're all going to be taking your own notes. And for some of you, that means using something else in front of you as you take your notes and you see my notes, but you're, but you have to teach the kids. Like I'm actually teaching you a strategy that a lot of you are going to be able to stay at pace with me on. And some of you can't, and it's totally fine. And that's not the skill we're going for. We're actually going for the nope. content I'm about to teach you. Mm -hmm. But I want you to know that one memory strategy or one studying strategy is to actually physically take these notes with your own handwriting or with your own typing or your own whatever. So we yeah. got to, we have to separate those things, but it's also good to tell the students the difference. Like, yes. I'm not trying to and, trick you here on how fast you no. can take notes, which is nope. how my whole math degree felt, but at mm -hmm. the college level, but it, it's, but us modeling for them, that separation helps them to feel uh, like they're in the game with us, like that they understand why they're doing certain things and not other things or why that, that universal access is there. I don't know. I just, you got me thinking on that. Sorry to sidebar us, but I, we no. have to tell kids more about why we're doing certain things or yes. why access for everybody <laughs> is there. Anyway, go ahead. And, and, no, actually metacognition is part of universal design. So explaining to children um, that really the brain actually absorbs information when you include movement um, in, in, in trying to absorb what the content is. So actually the physical act of taking notes or doodling pictures or whatever, like whatever it is, like you're going to write down keywords. If you can't take all of the notes as you're listening to me, please write down keywords, draw a picture of what that brings to mind. And then I'm going to post my notes. You can access them later and fill in the gaps for yourself, but you've got to be writing something down. Um, and, and it can be pictures. And, and that can work. I've, I've seen it work. I know that it works. So it's everybody's brain just works a little bit differently. But those pillars in action and expression are actually physical action, expression and communication. So how do you express and communicate what you know? There has to be flexibility in this. And then the third part is executive functions. So how can kids like how can we guide them in their own goal setting? This is so you you do need to learn how to take notes. And if you can't keep up with me, just like you said, Jill, there are reasons why you're going to need to learn this skill. So let's start honing the skill and let me help you to figure it out. The goal is to eventually be able to use this skill in other classes, in college, in whatever, in life. But also, it's also like the management of their resources and materials. So organization is part. We're still teaching kids organization in high school. Mm -hmm. 100%. And beyond. And and beyond. beyond. Uh, 
well, of course, I know adults who are disorganized. I'm sometimes disorganized. I mean, there's there's no doubt about it. So it like there's so much here. The the end game with universal design is creating um it, it, it's playing a long game. Let's just put it that way. It's playing a long game of created, creating learners who are able to set their own goals and know that every step along the way isn't about perfecting every single step along the way. It's about putting it all together and becoming really a lifelong learner and self-dependent and self-directed. That's what it's about. And that's why you do have to talk to them about their brains and how it works and why we're doing what they're doing. So um, that's that's that. I mean... So much to unpack, Ooh. so much, so much more I, to talk about. I know. About. We'll come back to this one eventually again. Like this is, there's a lot here. So thank you, Colleen, for this episode. Oh yeah, we'll talk flex. We'll do it. We'll do an episode on flexible assessment one of these days, but that's the bell. So we can't do it today. Okay. <laughs> so Got back it. to class we go. Thank you for the energy boost. We love exploring your ideas and affirming your efforts. Keep the suggestions coming in and tune, to our, tune into our next episodes as we talk about more great ideas from fellow teachers. I hope you've enjoyed Universal Design Week. It was totally like a fire hose but um, that's okay. We'll unpack it a little bit more in later episodes. So we hope to see you next time.